Place it comfortably. So day two of session. I think everyone's settled in by now. The title of this talk is Zen Lessons on the Way to Session. We often think of the lessons of the things we're going to learn when we come to session, but what about on the way to session? Um, Let me give you a few little vignettes from my everyday life to make some points. Uh, First of all, on on the day that I left, (coughs) in the morning I was um, in a bit of a dilemma because I'm on an environmental committee and one of my jobs was actually to write up a submission to put in and uh, I I ran out of time to do it. And so I was quite anxious about it, you know, feeling like, well, I've got to come here, but I haven't done the submission. And often when people are caught in a dilemma, there's a tendency to avoid. And one of the ways that we avoid is to freeze, like we just don't do anything. We're just sort of caught between the horns of the dilemma and we don't do anything. Um, But then I thought, well, okay, that's what life is presenting at the moment. So what do I do? So what I did is I, I sent an email to one of my committee members and said, I'm in a dilemma and I can't do this and I'll be away for the next week. And she just said, well, that's okay, I could do it, but it's actually there's no urgency, it doesn't have to be in until you know, two weeks. But it's a point where <clears throat> um, some circumstance arises this is, this is how Zen practice works. You, you, instead of being frozen or avoiding what life is presenting to you, you know, it's about going, going, into, going into the dilemma and actually doing something that may, may, may change the situation if it can be changed. So my, where my aversion was, was I've let the team down. You know, I don't feel very good about it. And I'm neither doing the job or I'm not telling anyone I can't do it. You know? So that's the aversion. But if you turn it around and you kind of acknowledge, I'm in a dilemma. I can't do this and do this. And then it's communicating with someone. Well, that actually makes a difference. So that was the first little vignette of that sort of on the negative side. Then when I was getting ready to go to the airport, I was expecting to walk to the train station and then get a train out. But Diana, my wife, said, oh, I can give you a lift to the station. So she gave me a lift to the station. So another thing that was uncertain happened, but it was very positive. And then I had a great feeling of gratitude towards her that she went out of her way to take me to the station. (coughs) And then I get on the train. and, uh, and so I'm sitting there and I think, well, how can I best make use of this time? So I just sit and I'll be present and I send a sense of goodwill to other people in the station. And then I get off that train to a connecting train out to the airport and I'm following the, you know, how those little icons that take you to the, the little plane sign that take you to the, all the trains and buses that go to the airport. So I'm going down a tunnel that's got one of those and then I come to a, a cross section where there's three tunnels and they all go off in different directions and it doesn't tell you which way to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm lost. 
And then I notice that my mind goes into a reaction and I get annoyed because you know, I don't want to be late for the plane and not get here. So I get annoyed and then my, a little dialogue starts going on in my mind, which is these stupid people who design these things, don't they know if they've got to put an icon there so you know which way to go? There's no point pointing it down the tunnel further on. And how much do they pay these people to do this and they don't do their job properly? Right? And if only one, someone was in the shoes of someone walking along here who didn't know the place, surely they'd put one in there so you know, my mind rambled on like that a bit. And, and then you pick it up you know, and, and you notice that you're doing it and you go, OK, well, what do I need to do now here? We'll just pick a tunnel at random and see where it goes to and see if we can pick up the sign. And then, so I get the plane down and the plane is late and Steve, Steve came to pick me up and he, he left me a message that he was in the, in the public parking place. So I follow, not quite sure where I'm going, but I see a sign that says public parking. This is a case of point, mistaking the pointing finger for the moon. But I see the sign, public parking, that's what I'm looking at, but apparently Steve's waving at me at the same time. <laughs> but no, I'm looking at the, the public sign. So I follow that. And then, and then I get a text, you know, you just went past me. <laughs> so another mistake, right? And so at that point, I didn't really, I was confused. Like, do I keep on walking where it says public you know, park, um, parking or go back. So then I did um, what's good advice when you get lost in the bush, is that you just sit down and you have a cup of tea. <laughs> so I did a small version of that. I went, hold on, we'll, we'll just sit here for a minute, just stay here for a minute. And I thought, well, if I retrace my steps the way I came, I'll come back and there with Steve and all was resolved. But these are all examples of just every ordinary, everyday type of events that happen. And, and it's all unpredictable. You know, it, it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out. And one of the things we really need to do as a Zen student, as a Zen practitioner, is that um, we, we really need to identify how deep the roots of self-centeredness can be, you know, and how habituated it can be. Um, because it's almost as though um, we live expecting life to be certain, you know, and it's almost as though when we're caught in that self-centered dream, it's though we really do believe um, that life should just um, unfold according to the way I think it should to meet my circumstances. And it's a total delusion, complete delusion. Mm -hmm. And at some level we're, we're caught up in it. Because when things don't work out the way that we want them to, like me in the tunnel, we find someone to blame. You know, or we blame ourselves. We don't just stay with the circumstance. You know, um, we, we go off in a whole lot of different tangents. If I was true to what happened in the tunnel, where, where I didn't know which way to go, what really happened um, was I was, un I was in a position of uncertainty and my anxiety increased because I didn't want to miss the plane. Right? So if I'd, if I'd been just there with the anxiety and realised that I'm just embracing uncertainty here, that's a different experience. 
I go off, off into all these tangents of blaming, I get further away from the present moment. But we all do a version of that. Um, through getting irritated with things, blaming things, blaming ourselves. Um, and it's, again, it's an indication that um, at some level, we do think that life is just going to accord with what our agenda is. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens in, in meditation. Um, none of us sit perfectly in the present moment all the time. It's our intention to do so. And, and the mind wanders off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we get sort of what we think are, are roadblocks in the way of us sitting. You know, like many things you tell me and other people tell me, and I've experienced myself, you know, people tell me that they, they feel a, um, a dread or a fear before they're going to come to session or to sit. Or they've been practicing so long, and they and still anger arises in their mind. It still comes up, you know, and there's a frustration about it, and and people can feel disappointed or annoyed with the practice, and um, and any Zen teacher, including me, just directs people back to that experience. You know, if you feel a fear before you sit, well, experience the fear. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way in. You know, if, you feel, if you're feeling angry, feel the anger, be present to it. That's what the present moment is manifesting as. And that's the way in. And um, really, what we're doing when, we, when we're signing up to commit ourselves to Zen practice in life, um, we're signing up to be self-correcting. We're not signing up to be perfect. Mm-hmm. We're just signing up to be self-correcting and having the willingness to self-correct. That's what we do in meditation all the time. We're in the present moment, we drift off. Instead of drifting off for half an hour like we might have done when we started, we drift off for five minutes or for five seconds. But the commitment is to come notice and to come back on track. Now, being a sailor and, and doing solo sailing, um, I have an autopilot on my boat and um, that helps me to sail a boat without me having to be on the wheel all the time. And, and an autopilot self-corrects. And uh, lone sailors often have um, names for their autopilot because we get lonely out there at sea and we like, want someone to dialogue with. So my autopilot is Charlie. I speak to Charlie as though he's another crew member. Um, but what Charlie does is that the boat goes off course and he keeps correcting it. That's his job. And it goes off that way and he keeps correcting it. And it goes off that way. And, um, and if a, a big gust of wind comes and blows the boat off course, he doesn't complain. Right? You know, well, that, I wasn't expecting that to happen. He just keeps, that's his job description. He just keeps bringing it back on course each time. And in a sense, you know, we need to develop, develop our own dispassionate autopilot that sort of recognises every time something untoward happens, how do I turn it into practice? Right? And we turn it into practice each time by not judging it, turning up to be present with it, and that's the present moment manifesting itself. In um, Tibetan Buddhism, um, they have uh, 
Tonglen practice. And they're little slogans which are reminders of how to practice. And I, I think it's very, very useful um, to have these slogans. You know, we can, we can memorise them. And then whenever those situations come up in our life, it's kind of like, oh, that, that's that one. Right? How, do, how do I work with that? And there's a few of them that go together. Um, uh, three of them that go together, um, which are all to do about um, what to do with um, adverse circumstances as they arise. And those three slogans are turn all mishaps into the past, and the second one, drive all blames into one, which needs a bit of explanation. And the third one is to be grateful to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, turning all mishaps into the path is really a lot of those examples I've given you are little vignettes that describe that. Um, but so often in our everyday life, we, we catch ourselves saying, damn it, you know, why did that have to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and if we're practising, you know, with turning all mishaps into the past, we kind of do a version of, well, it, it just did happen. That just happened, not damn, why should it happen? That just <coughs> happened, and what do I do now? How do I adapt to that circumstance? Maybe there's nothing I can do about it. Well, there is something I can do about it, and I respond. Robert Aiken, who was one of my long-term teachers, said that a Zen life is um, simply a life of making the appropriate responses to what life presents us. Mm-hmm. Not the inappropriate ones. Um, my little two minutes of drama in the tunnel were inappropriate ones, right? until it self-corrected after a while. Um, drive all blames into one is one of the slogans. Now, it's not blaming in the normal sense that we use the word blame where we feel a lot of guilt or shame about something that we've done that's gone wrong. But <clears throat> it's really um, ad- addressing the fact that when circumstances happen in our life, our, often our automatic response is to blame someone for it, like I did. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's, it's cutting off that mind road that just automatically does that. And it's kind of turning up to say, well, no one's to blame, but I'm responsible for what I do with these circumstances in my life. That's really the spirit of it. And there's a Zen story that many of you who are in the Zen tradition may have heard of. You may have heard me speak of it before. But it's worthwhile mentioning again, um, it's a story called Eating the Blame. And it's a story about a, um, uh, a cook, or a tenzo, um, in the monastery who, who was m- making a meal. And, uh, and they were doing orioki and serving the meal. And then um, the abbot of the um, temple see some strange thing floating around in the vegetarian soup and it's a snake's head uh, and he picks the snake's head up with his um, chopsticks and says, what's this? And the, the, um, the head cook comes over immediately and goes, oh, and eats it. 
<laughs> he eats the blame. What happened is that accidentally, probably, you know, when the farmer was chopping the vegetables down, there was a snake in the, in the garden. He accidentally cut off the snake and then it went into the soup and got boiled up. It's like no one's to blame, but what's, what's this snake's head doing in the soup? Right? And then the abbot's soup. Right? So that's a wonderful piece of responding to the moment, responding appropriately to the moment. What's this? Oh, just eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm sure the head monk didn't go away and feel ashamed and guilty. He just ate the snake's head, he just acted practically. Probably afterwards, when everyone had, you know, after lunch, everyone probably said, "Really good, mm-hmm. really like that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it it takes it takes practice to get out of these um, automatic habits of of blaming. Another one is trying to make sense of everything too. Um, or trying to make sense of life and one thing that people get caught up in a lot which I see doing relationship counselling is try, try, being obsessed with work, working other people out figuring other people out um, making sense of other people's behaviour and it's just another, another um, wasted bit of time you know, and irrelevance that we go down because we'll never work another person out let alone ourselves, you can obsess over it. And we can obsess over trying to make sense of life. It's very, apart from the present moment, um, in terms of knowledge base and so on, there's very little that we actually know for certain. There's a few mathematical truths, but outside of that, there's not really much we know for certain. Do a philosophy course and you'll you'll find out Mm -hmm. how little we know. Um, but we're constantly trying to make sense of life and other people's experience and that takes us away from just the moment as it's presenting itself. Then it's very pragmatic. You know, this a moment arises, well, what do you do? There it is, what do you do? How do you respond? The third one is to be grateful to everyone and uh, this is really grounded in uh, the words I was saying at the beginning of the session about the spirit in which to do session is to recognise that we're all um, dependent on one another, you know, so to support each other and create this structure to, to do this. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't sit for probably four days on my own. Maybe I could. But having all of you here certainly makes it a lot easier to do. And the same for you. So it's that, it's that recognition which is really at the core of, of Zen practice and Buddhism, that there is no self and everything is dependent on everything else for its existence in this ecology, not social ecology as well as the, the natural ecology of the world. This is not an idealistic view of the world or a poetic notion, it's a fact. It's just a bald fact, is that everything is dependent on everything else for its existence. And one of the fundamental mistakes of human beings is that we, when we get caught in our ego identity, we lose sight of this completely. 
completely. Even though we, we may understand it intellectually, in the way that we live our life, it's like we just don't get it because we're so caught up in our own agenda. But a moment's reflection, you know, helps us to see, um, just like a, a baby, you know, is dependent on its parents, you know, for survival and so on. We're, we're dependent on other people and other life forms and everything that there is in the world for our survival. Um, and we can't get around that. And when we come back to that fundamental fact and keep acknowledging it all the time, then, then we can't help but have a sense of gratitude for everything that is. Mm-hmm. Um, an appreciation for everything that is. One of the virtues which is at the core of what I was saying is patience. And uh, patience kind of doesn't get the same recognition, doesn't have the same number of books written about it as like compassion or loving kindness and so on. These kind of wonderful, more idealistic kind of notions. Um, Patience is very low key. You, you don't really see, you, you, you don't, it's not dramatic. You don't see patience in an obvious kind of way. It's sort of very quiet. Um, but it is what's being cultivated um, when we have, apply our life to um, just coming back to adverse circumstances that there are in life and being willing to stay with them and to approach them in a non-reactive way. That, that, that's the practice of patience in each of those situations. Not very glamorous, no one really wants to write about a lot, but in, unless we're actually cultivating that aspect in our everyday life, then we, we don't really touch base with the essence of what practice is. So in conclusion, it's always very important when we, we do session um, that we practice Zen, or at least learn the lessons of practicing Zen as we, as to how we got here, how we are when we are here, and then what we do when we leave. Mm-hmm. It's seamless, it's endless, and hopefully through um, humbly meditating and self-correcting and making a lot of mistakes, we in the in a session in this sort of more structured environment. We get, a, we get a clearer idea of um, that there is just this moment. Um, it's not there to serve us, it's for us to adapt to its uncertainty and changeability. And as we do that, we realise that our, our life becomes peaceful in a deeper kind of way. It's not just the peace of being a little bubble of samadhi. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of being one with each circumstance as it arises. Thank you.